Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and the upcoming comic Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. Do we need, I think we should just, let's just cut to the chase and get what you're drinking out of the way right now. What are you drinking? All right. I wanted to stay on brand. It's pretty hot down here in San Diego. So I am drinking a Kirkland uh, hard seltzer. We are back, baby. We are back. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. And yeah. It, and it right. really does. It really does. It's so refreshing. It's so light. Uh, it's, a you know, 100 calories, but it's 5%, so they ain't too shabby. Hell yeah. All right. And I am. I am also... I suppose I'm just taking a walk down memory lane. I believe I delivered some pretty quality podcast content when I last rocked this bad boy. And this is my other can of it. It is Bedoiter time, party people, from the Iron Hill Brewery in Philadelphia area. And I remember doing okay. At least not not doing poorly the last time uh, (laughs) I recorded a podcast with this. And you know what? My fridge is really getting down there in terms of beers. I think I have five and, uh, and I'm looking oh. forward to just tapping it out completely and then forcing myself to go get beers, whatever that day is. And, um, you know, I will say that um, one, one thing, there's a reason we'll kind of probably mention this casually, but um, for Harland, I was so enamored with Harland that uh, I wanted to go to Trader Joe's and get their hazy IPA. Uh, because I've never had it. I've had plenty of their hazy type IPAs at their locations, but never the actual canned one. So I had that, and I was dying to have it last night. So I did. And uh, and as a result, I'd mentioned I'm kind of getting over hazy IPAs. And uh, and yeah, I, I just wanted something clear. I don't care what it is, but the Bedoiter is, I think it's what, like a Belgian-style triple, if I remember Ooh. right? Yeah, Belgian-style style triple, 9.0% alcohol, and clear. So, uh, so yeah, I'm on a, I'm trying to balance it out and not just rock hazies all the time. You know, unfiltered beers, uh, they can be a bit rough on the stomach sometimes. So, uh, so what could go wrong? What could go wrong? That particular anyway, beer um, sounds right up my alley too. I do like Belgians and I love triples. So yeah, mm, that one sounds fantastic. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, so let's get it. What was your thing that you did this week? What 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 uh, what would you like to start talking about? Well, I think that big thing that everyone wants to hear about and what we want to talk about this week is Free Comic Book Day. So we yeah. we prepped and we did and we conquered and uh, we drank beers. Yes, and that that is the thing we're going to we're going to basically going to make that our joint thing we did this week because we both did it. We both came about it from uh, slightly different angles, right? So uh so why don't we why don't we talk about why don't we just take it through the stages a little bit? So why don't we well number one talk how a little you bit. Uh, cleared out some of those beers was bringing them down to San Diego, so yes. that's what got you down to the five. You brought some down for me to try uh, at my place while we were hanging out the night before, and then we had a couple for the following day. And I had some some beers that I've had in my fridge for a while and cleared some of that those bad boys out. The aliens love drinking, especially on the hot days. So uh, we we're all out there. Uh, you know, doing business and uh, drink yeah. it, drinking some beverages, and that was nice. And we ended we ended up kind of doing a nice beer swap, right? Because there was a beer. I'm trying to think which one. Oh, it was the um, the strawberry milkshake IPA that I brought down. I was like, Scott, this is your beer. You know, like you you can knock this back. And you had that, and you said that you liked it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was kind of mutually beneficial because then the next day, because it was hot. 
I was just in the mood for something light, so I knocked back the two, what was it, Takati lights. Oh, yeah. Had, <laughs> which were great. They were very hydrating because they're all water. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it worked, it worked out really well for like a 92-degree day, you know, but, uh, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and that first that first night, that Friday, you got to have the Pantera beer that I had for you. So that was a nice little swap on the first night. And then you had give, you had brought down a second milkshake which I enjoyed the next day during Free Comic Book Day, so that was really good as well. Mm. Yeah, which one was that? I don't remember. I can't remember it exactly, but I think they're both in the strawberry region. Like, you seem to have two of them. Oh, it was the Ambrosia one. That's the one it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that that was was funky beer. Yeah, Yeah. pours pink. That's what's so wild about it, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess that's the Ambrosia thing. Yeah. Um, So anyway... So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, listeners of the podcast will know what went into our prep. We had a certain strategy. Um, did you did you strategize at all with the aliens on anything? Or are you guys just like everybody show up with their own stuff and we'll just rock it as a crew? Yeah, we've, we've done this so many times that we kind of know who's bringing what. Like, I'm going to bring a pop-up and a couple of chairs. And uh, Travis will bring a pop-up in a couple of chairs. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of aliens that don't have those things. Or if they do, they always forget them. So that's why there's always a couple that are brought by a few of us. And, um, yeah, like the, the primary setup, like, you know, the brain trust has it down. So we know what to bring. And then everyone is in charge of their own uh, art-related setup. So if you have, like, a little grid wall that you want to make or a grid, little grid tower, you know, you bring your own stuff and uh, luckily, there was almost a slight snafu. So when we got there, we had the corner spot like we usually do. Um, we were just kind of mirrored from where we no- normally are, but it's just literally right across the uh, aisle there. Because where we normally sit, that's where they put the free comic books. So anyway, yeah. they, they only had two tables for us because they thought uh, four aliens were coming. But I had let yeah. them know that there was four to six. So we actually had six show up. So luckily they were able to uh, add another table for us. And so we all were able to, uh, you know, get get a, a half of a table each. So it worked out really well. Yeah. Um, I kind of have my setup roughly down. But this time around, I talked about on the previous episode, I had a bunch of prints that I was going to bring to clearance out. You know, it's just like, oh, these are odd shaped. They're like, you know, uh, five by sevens, you know, they're frameable and everything or postcard size. But when you're doing your setup on your table, they're not always table friendly. Like the just the setup of it just doesn't always work out. So this time around, luckily, Travis was there. Travis um, pimps a lot of the books. He's a very good salesman. Uh, I'm a pretty decent one myself, but I knew he ha- he was there so he could handle it. And so for my part of the table... I just usually, uh, uh, or me and him are usually next to each other. So we're like a good tag team in that sense. Um, but you know, you were coming down and it'd be like, Hey, I'll, I'll be on this end, hang out with Keith. And I still get to hang out with the aliens. Um, so we split it up a bit. I knew Travis had that down. So my table is basically all prints. And, uh, you know, I did like a little, we had the pop-ups, the, the legs were in the way. So I created a, a bit of an elbow around the around the legs and that's where i put my prints and it worked out really well i did uh it was a good day uh, not something i'm yeah. gonna complain about yeah yeah and and, and i think that's th- that's an interesting contrast right because we both talked about a certain thing leading into the podcast right and it was it was cheap things so for you is this idea of cheap prints right to kind of blow out these smaller prints that you just put on your table for a cheap price 
And for me, it was the idea of cheap comics, right? Because my logic was um, free comic book day. People are going to get their free books and they're going to want to uh, get other comics, either free or cheap. And so that was kind of the logic that I went in with. And, um, you know, this is where we get into the the thing that, that I really, I mean, I enjoyed the whole day. It was awesome. It was awesome hanging out. It was awesome, just like you said. In fact, uh, when I was listening back to the podcast a week or two before, everything you said was true, right? And it was just like, it's awesome to hang out. It's great. The, the customers are great, you know, all that stuff. But uh, what, what I liked as well is that it served as a great warm up for how the hell I'm supposed to do shows again. You know, because when I was setting up my table, there were a lot of moments where I was like, shit, what do I do again? And then what I would do is I would do something that felt like common sense. And then 20 minutes later, I would think like, no, 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 no. Okay, wait, that's not how you set things up. This is how you set things up. And then I would re- rearrange things a little bit. And um, and so that was it was very helpful because I do have a large comic convention, Rose City Comic Con, coming up very soon. Um, it'll air. I mean, it's only a couple weeks from the time this airs. It's in early September in Portland, and I'm looking forward to that. So it was good to just kind of shake the cobwebs off here and get used to doing that again. And and it feels like a real show. That's the thing. I mean, there were probably a total of about twelve vendors, maybe something like that, maybe a couple more than that, and uh, plenty of people were there. So it definitely had you know a a comic convention vibe to it, which was cool. So for me, I think the the coolest, you know, it was cool to get out there and, and shake off those cobwebs and get back into the groove. But something that um, that when it happened, Scott, you you were like, oh, yeah, you should definitely talk about this on the podcast was, you know, I was like observing the people and I had my cheap books out. And um, in the first in the first. So the, the type of customer here, here's my analysis of free comic book day, the type of customer that shows up early. Or shows up, you know, like even beforehand to try to get a, a prime place in line for the free comic books. They're there for the free books and then they roll the hell on out. You know, the first 10 to 15 customers got their books and got the hell out of there. You know what I mean? Like they didn't stop at vendors. They weren't there to buy small press comics. They weren't there to buy like something from the toy vendor across the way. They wanted their free comics and they wanted to leave possibly because they wanted to go to another store to get more free comics. I'm sure there were some valuable things that knuckleheads put on eBay for lots of dollars because that's what people do even on free comic book day. You can't did, stop that. Did you happen to get the Red Room free comic book day? No. Ah, uh, yeah, that was the first thing I did. I was like, let me go get that real quick. Um, and I was hitting them. I was hitting up SoCal before, like months before the, the free comic book day was announced. I was like, are you going to have this book and can I get it? Because I'm going to be working there, so I... You know, I won't have time to stand in line. They're like, yeah, don't worry about it. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. You know, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. You know, it's just like, whatever. Let somebody else have it. Let somebody else do whatever they want. Yeah, that that someone else was me. I have it. <laughs> I don't mind you. You're you're one of the good guys, so it's fine. You have it in your collection. I have Red Room 1, and then I realized it wasn't for me, so I stopped collecting it. If that book ever takes off, then I'll always have Red Room 1, and I can always sell Red Room 1 because it's the exact kind of book I'd be willing to part with. You know? Right, right, right. One thing that – another thing that was really cool about the event was it seemed like the people that were there to visit the booths were very excited to see – like to have that kind of Comic-Con atmosphere, that convention yes. atmosphere. And they're really uh, spreading the love. Like all the booths seem to have somebody at it talking – buying something um all of the artists 
in accidental aliens. They were making money. People were stopping by everywhere and picking up stuff. Um, Emily, she sold two originals while she was there. And, and for SoCal comic events, that's a rarity. Usually what we do sell there is comic books and prints. Yeah. If we do sell originals, they're just like small sketches or whatever. But these were 11 by 17 full pieces that she had done. And two people p- picked them up. And, and it was like a nice little chunk of change. And, you know, that was super cool to see. Uh, it was great to see people picking up your books. Um, yeah. You know, seeing Travis shill everybody's books from the aliens. And, and you know, people around us just, just making money and having a good time. And it, it seemed people were genuinely happy to talk to each other. You know, it wasn't one of those things like uh, at conventions where you're trying to make your nut. And so you always, of course, you want to be nice and you want to be friendly. And you are nice and you are friendly. It's not not a fake thing. But at the end of the day, you, you do want to make some money and, and you want the next customer to come along. And But I think everyone was just super cool. Just like, yeah, if you're going to buy something cool, you know, if you want to hang out and talk, that's cool too. And uh, it was just yeah. a real pleasant atmosphere. Exactly, exactly. And I think that gets to... Um, what what was for me the most podcast worthy moment, which was for the first hour I did almost nothing, and uh, but what I did what I, was I sat next to you, and so the only thing I sold in the first hour was like a couple very very cheap books from the bin, and I had um, I had prints I have prints but I only had them in one place and they were kind of next to this short box of comics that I had on my table, and it it was hard to not notice you were selling a lot of prints. And I was just like, you know what? It's time for me to audible right now. So I think you you went away and you were chopping it up with some of the other aliens or something. And then I was like, screw it, man. I'm changing right now. So I took the books down off the table and I said, hell with this. This is what I thought, but I think I was wrong. And so what I did was I took those down and I decided immediately to devote more table space to my prints. And for you, you listeners out there, you creatives that are going to be conventions... This is a great piece of information that Keith is giving you. Be aware of the convention that you're doing. Some conventions are print conventions. All they're going to want from you is prints. Maybe they'll want some originals, and maybe they'll want your books. Like You really have to pay attention as to what's going on around you. And and Keith, like he said, he called the Audible. He saw I was selling prints. Other people were selling prints. That was the thing that was moving. That was the thing he was going to make prominent in his display. So what I did was I basically had enough table width for one front-facing print before when I had the box there. By removing the box, I had enough space for most of three front-facing prints. Not three full side-to-side, but pretty close so you could see substantially the contents of three prints. Yeah, fanned out a a little bit, but yeah, pretty much you could see most of the image. Exactly. And so 35 seconds after I redid my table I got a big sale right and I was just like wow it it usually is never that instant you know but uh, it was great to have that instant gratification where all of a sudden I was like I just made a change and immediately it paid off and again this is not hyperbole this was 35 seconds after I rearranged the prints I sold prints yeah, it's usually one of those things where after you make the change, you're in your mind, you're like, is this the right move? Am I making the right decision? Should I have left it? You know, and, and like you said, it happened instantaneously, instantaneously and you were good to go. Yeah, it was bonkers. And then I had another print sale. I mean, it must have been no more than five minutes later. 
And then, uh, and then it was kind of on from there, you know, like it was a, it was a good mix of prints. And then of course I finally sold, um, some of the comics as well, which is always nice. I mean, whatever, you know, look, it, it all kind of feeds, feeds the machine, right? Whether I sell prints or whether I sell original comics, um, it all feeds the machine. Cause if you have the prints, well, they're sort of supporting the comics, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And, uh, as I told Scott, when we were kicking it next to each other on, on free comic book day, I've gone back and forth on that pendulum. You know, there have been, there was a period in time where a substantial portion of my sales were prints. And obviously I'm not an artist. And so these prints are prints that artists who have worked on Kadoja have done and have just said, yeah, man, go crazy. Right. So I have prints from Rory Smith, predominantly Rory, a few Rory Lance jam prints. And then I have a couple prints from Mark Nosler, who has done some stuff for us as well. And, um, and again, g- given they, they were hired for the work and, and they give it with their blessing, right? It was a commission that they knew was going to be uh, turned into prints. And um, there have been times where I was just like, man, when I look back, like, I didn't really sell that many of my comics. You know, what the hell's like, is this what I want? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you have to find the balance. And unfortunately, some shows are just like that. Not every $20 is made the same to me. So if I can sell $20 worth of comic books, it means more to me than $20 worth of prints. Yeah, I, I like drawing. I like drawing images. I like drawing, uh, you know, uh, corporate comic characters and stuff like that and selling it to people because they get joy out of it. So if they get joy, I get joy. And I also get $20 or whatever the case is. But f- for me, that's I'm, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to sell comic books. I'm here to make comic books and sell comic books to people because I want people to read my stories mine and Ed's stories and, and uh, uh, you know, just spread the love of those books and those characters. But it is a necessary evil at times. You know, you will have these shows like similar to the SoCal event where it's a print show. People are looking for prints. Luckily, um, there was enough people looking for books that, that I was able to do well in both realms. And, and like I said, Travis was, was shilling the books. And every once in a while, I could jump in there if I was passing by or something or if uh, I mentioned I do comics with with a print cell and they seemed interested, I would take them over to the comic section and, and, and you know, try to get a sell that way. So, you know, it if you're out there and you are selling books, it is a bit of a necessary evil. Um, like Keith said, it feeds the machine. So think of it that way. You know, don't rely on it. Don't make it your primary thing. You know, I, I know people, I've seen artists at shows where their whole booth is about prints. So at the end of the day, what that says to me is you're just about the money. Like you're just here strictly for the money. You're not here to create comic books to tell stories. You know, what you want is, uh, you know, money. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to you have to ask yourself, am I a comic book artist or am I a comic book print artist? You know, there's a difference. Like you're not you're not a comic book artist. You're a comic print artist. There's no book involved with what you're doing. So yeah, it's, it's all about what you're trying to do. And, and you know, like I said, you got to find that balance between prints and comics and, uh, you know, making the money. But also, what are you here for? Are you here to tell stories or are you here, here just to make uh, some, you know, a few shekels? And ain't nothing, nothing wrong with yeah. that. But uh, you have to decide for yourself what your what your purpose is in the comics world. Yeah. Yeah, know thyself, know thyself, right? And and so for me, back to the back to that point, I've gone back and forth on this pendulum, right? But right now, I'm definitely the pendulum has kind of swung swung all the way out to where, you know, like you said, I'm here to make comics. 
I understand now fully that prints feed that machine. So if somebody wants to get those prints, those prints that, you know, that I have on my table, which I'm very, very proud of, even though I had shit to do with, I sort of had to do with it because <laughs> I was smart enough to print it, <laughs> you know, so that matters. Um, but, uh, but it all matters because it all turns into Kadoja and that's, that's what really matters. And I think you actually have a nice, healthy balance. Like your, your setups, uh, are predominantly Kadoja, you know, uh, uh, other 215 products, other books, and then you do have your prints there. So I think what you have, your setup, is very healthy across the board. Thanks, man. I mean, that's that's always good to hear. Um, I did want to mention one other thing, which I think kind of relates to both of us, right? Which is something else I have at my booth is music. And uh, and I also have Kadoja toys. And and this is the kind of thing where I do believe, you know, this isn't the this isn't the the sort of thing that someone who is listening to us right now working on their first comic is able to do but it's something that you should consider you know and and i'm not saying consider music or consider toys i'm saying consider the other stuff that you're good at because people are good at a lot of stuff you know consider the you that that walked into the comic world or that exists outside of the comic world and ask yourself how do you incorporate that you into this table you know so like scott has a great backbone of wrestling as a way to dial into that. You know, he can he can talk about wrestling, he can draw on wrestling stories. He has a wrestling fan base that he can bring to the comics world. For me, I have a nice backbone of music. So while, you know, not not a lot of that fan base necessarily intersects, some of it does, and more importantly, music can intersect nicely with comics because I get to score every single graphic novel I have. So every graphic novel I do has a soundtrack that comes with it, and that becomes part of you, and it becomes part of your table. Yeah, and you had a nice healthy amount of uh, healthy is the word for this podcast you had a nice healthy amount of people come over and ask about the cassette uh, cassettes or the cds and uh that was a great way for you to go yeah i i have these soundtracks to my books and they're like you oh this is a soundtrack to your book boom boom you talk about it boom there's another sale yep exactly exactly and and to that point I have music on three types of media. I have 45s at my booth, I have cassettes at my booth, and I have CDs at my booth. CDs are the least visually appealing, yet they're the thing that people buy the most, which is kind of interesting. But that said, cassettes and 45s get people over, and I did sell, you know, a few of each because the kind of people that, you know, there's those certain people where they're like, holy shit, you have cassettes, you know, and those kind of people, we, we find each other because I love cassettes. So the second I see a cassette, I am zeroed in on it, you know? So anyway, um, to summarize, it was, it was a really great show. It was a great time. We haven't talked a lot about uh, the great time, but you know, Jamie is awesome, puts on a great event, um, is incredible. I mean, gave, gave the, the artists free lunch, you know, he ordered a whole ton of pizzas and we were able to just chow on some pizza. It was amazing. So, I mean, we can't say enough good things about SoCal Comics. We love being a part of the SoCal Comics family. And uh, it was a wonderful free comic book day. And I'm already looking forward to the next one. And we gave him his first meal, too. We gave him a beer. And, uh, you know, that's that's one thing I always love to make sure I bring Jamie some beer every once in a while. And I actually gave him one of yours because yeah. all the stuff that I had was it wasn't for him, right? Like, like he loves craft beer. And what I had left were like 
Bud Lights with uh, Clamato, some Tecates. I had some white or some Kirkland hard seltzers. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a couple of like shock top stuff like that, some common stuff. And Jamie likes the more exotic stuff. So you gave me a couple of bourbon beers, and uh, I had one which I which I really enjoyed. Man, that yeah. was a uh, heavy duty on that hot day. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. That shit hit. Yeah, because you were like, man, I am really feeling this. Yeah, <laughs> and that was your first beer, right? It was it like was. it was like ten forty five, and you were like, uh, <laughs> and so for me, the first hour since I wasn't getting much uh, in terms of sales, I actually got my hour of writing in there. So I'm just sitting there on my phone, and and you're like, I'm gonna go ahead and have that beer. I'm like. I have 18 minutes left to write and then I can have my beer. But right now I got to finish my, my hour of work, you know, like that kind of shit. And my um, rule so was, yeah. uh, I have to finish this coffee first. And then yes. so at 10 45, I finally finished my morning coffee and I was like, okay, I deserve this beer now. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and even better, you rolled right into it. You were like, ah, I finished my coffee. I'm ready for this beer. Like that was it. We're just we're just we're just switching from the breakfast menu to the lunch menu right now. This exact second, right? That's we're right. ready to go. Yeah, so, it was yeah, great. Man, it was it Yeah, was it awesome. definitely it right definitely up. hit hard when you when you don't have food in your stomach, uh, it really gets you. And and that's what I yep. need. I have a pretty high tolerance. So, I was like, yeah. right on. This is great. Yeah. And wasn't that, that fucker like it was like 13.2, wasn't it? It yeah, was it insane was, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. And that and that really <laughs> helps with my I mean, look, I'm over the years. So if you guys are new to doing conventions, um, the first, I don't know, four years I was doing conventions, maybe three, I was really tense until I would make the table back. Like all of my effort would be to make the table back. And I mean, it's a good, healthy way to do things because you, you know, you are there to make money. You are there to make a profit. But over the years, I gained more and more product and so I was less and less worried about making my nut because I knew it was going to happen. It's like, look, I got 15 books, you know, between the anthologies, Wanderers and Second Shift. I got 15 books, I think, something like that. And, uh, you know, one of them is a trade paperback. And I have a shit ton of prints that I've done over the years. Like I phase some stuff out, you know, but then some stuff's evergreen because I know it always sell. And, uh, you know, it's like after a while, you just stop worrying about making that money. And especially at a, at an event like this, it's just like, you know what, the overhead's ridiculously low. And, uh, you know, so you, you can do that. You can get it done yeah. and uh, not worry so much. So it really takes the edge off of things. And I think fans can also feel that. Like, if you're too tense, and we've talked about this a couple episodes back, if you're too tense, I think the fans can feel it. Like if you're just aching for their money, they can feel that and it doesn't feel good. Like it's yeah. like it's like going to get a car or looking at cars and the used car salesman is coming up to you and you can feel they want that commission. It's not a great feeling. You almost don't even want to do business with that one specifically. You want to find someone that's more chill. So um, uh, I take that approach to when I do shows. And, uh, you know, having a 13% beer definitely helps you get there. you'll get you'll be very relaxed yeah uh, so you you brought up that is a fucking great point just the concept of this you can feel it and it reminds me of of those times when at at a convention you know sometimes it would be a little before the convention opened and i was just set up and sometimes it would be during the convention because a buddy of mine was watching the booth and i would walk around dude you will sometimes just make this turn in artist alley 
and you feel the eyes on you. And it's just like, I want to get through this fucking aisle as fast as I can. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I don't even want to break stride because I can just feel all the goddamn eyes on me right now, you know? And of course that's troubling because that means the convention was pretty dead because what you want is a jump in convention where you don't have that problem. So that is, that is just such an amazing point of the whole, like people can feel your tension. And that's why um, I'll bring up something that I brought up to you, man, which again was one of those things I had to remind myself about being an artist at a comic convention comes with a built in advantage. You can put your head down And you can do some art at your table. And everybody, I swear to God, everybody thinks that's the coolest fucking thing, right? Because, like, it's like like being at the zoo and, like, here's an artist in the wild doing (laughs) art right now in front of us. This is fucking amazing. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're making art right fucking now. Like, I, as somebody who can't do art, I find that amazing. So I'm speaking to the writers here, okay? You need to find something to do. You know, you you need to make yourself busy so you are not fucking vapor-locking eyes every time they come within 10 feet of your table, okay? Like, promise me, or I promise you, it is going to work out, right? I don't care what you write. You can write bad freestyle verse. You can write shitty poetry. You You can cue up the sports section on your phone and transcribe it. I don't really care. But if you make yourself look busy and you make yourself right, that stuff pays off in spades because all of a sudden you're not one of those neurotic people that's just staring into people's eyes and doing stuff like that. And even better, notice that this is a great opportunity for you to actually write things. You know, I just mentioned I got my hour of writing it at the table when things were slow. It happens, you know, so do what you need to do to just take those nerves down. I'm not going to recommend, you know, like, look, if you want to start the day off with a 13.2% alcohol beer, <laughs> don't blame me. Okay. <laughs> don't blame Scott. Lord right? knows like, I it, do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helps. But there are a lot of ways to kind of take that, those anxious nerves off that, that I think definitely happen early in a convention. You know, like when you're early in a convention and you're waiting for that first sale and you want to kind of, you know, get get the vibe going, things can get tense if that first sale doesn't happen quickly. So, again, I hope that helps and and take it as you will. And, and try to find that middle ground, too. You don't want to be too busy because sometimes people want the engagement. Some people do. Some people don't. So this this is another aspect of you being able to read the room. You know, are you? What's the person coming to the table looking for? Like there are people that come up with a huge smile and they're like, hi, how are you doing? They want to have a conversation with you. They don't They don't want you to be busy. They don't want you to be writing or drawing in that instance. So it's just a matter of being aware. Like I know when I'm drawing, um, like if Ed's working a show with me, I'm like, hey, dude, I'm going to be, I'm going to be working. So you got to be on top of it. He's like, I'm on it. And Ed's really good with like, he doesn't bring stuff to write too many times, and and he does he does like go on his phone or whatever from time to time, um, but he's really got it down now that he's just like there and he's in, he's genuinely enjoying the atmosphere and people can sense that too. Like if you're just if you're not necessarily busy, you don't have anything anything to keep you busy, just be there and be happy. 
and like that conveys to people so um um and then I, when that happens he'll end up pulling people in and they'll start talking and ed will go yeah this guy right here he draws the books he's drawing some right now I'm, and i'll stop and I'll, oh hey how you doing and and then so we'll get a little dialogue going and and it goes from there so just make sure you're reading the room it's very important and some people are there, like he said, they do like to see people draw or, or be busy or whatever. And and some people are uh, unfortunately socially awkward and they don't know to have how to have those conversations. And they might want you to be busy doing your thing so they can look at your table and your product and see if they want it. And yeah. uh, uh, so that's very important. And also just to, to piggyback off of that, very important to have price tags on everything, you know, or, or just like a list. Just say, hey, look, here's... Okay, you know, the trade paperbacks this and blah, 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 and whatever, you know. So that way, if they are socially awkward, they're introverts, and they don't want to have those conversations, there's something that they can go, boom, this costs this much, this costs this much. Okay, I'll take this. And you go, okay, cool, cool, right on. And then you you do your transaction. You go, thank you so much. And then they just walk off, and, and that's that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you make a great point, and I should have been more clear about this. I'm not saying put your head down in whatever work you're doing. That That is the thing that you do to take your nerves down a little bit because like Scott said, it is, it is super important to be in tune with what's going on at your own table. And, um, and so for me, you know, I think, I think Scott and I are slightly different. I think you're a little more likely to kind of bring someone into the table and talk earlier in the moment than I am where I like, I like someone coming to the table and looking at my shit for at least like one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, and then you're gonna get me to say something, yeah. right? Because um, and again, we all have our different ways. What's important is for you to figure out the way that works for you, that's most in line with your personality, and you go from there, right? And so for me, I I take that little internal count, and then once I know that they're like they're legit looking at the table then I know that it's time for me to actually pipe in. And, you know, even though my head is down, to use the hip-hop phrase, my peripheral vision is is kicking, right? <laughs> so, and, and a lot of times uh, when I see someone come in, then I'm fake working, right? Like, you know, I can go from real working to fake working and monitoring the person. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to engage the person, right? So, again, we all have different things. And then if you have a partner that's next to you on a 13% beer, he goes, hey, uh, hey, man, hey, you, oh, you like kaiju? You like this stuff? Oh, you're looking at the music? Hey, talk to this guy. <laughs> that happened more than one time during which the show. Which did happen. Yeah. Exactly, which did he, happen a time or two. He, he's over hilarious. there ca- doing the countdown in his head. I'm like, hey, man, come on over. Come check this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fairness, too, like you weren't around, and I did I did rep you on the way back, too. Because nice. people, so, you know, here's what happens, too. This is the great advantage. I'm sitting next to my buddy, Scott. So this isn't always going to happen at like a rando comic convention. And sometimes what's going to happen is a person is going to walk up to your booth and look at the table next to you's shit, right? In this case, it's great because if I see someone walk up to my booth and then their eyes wander over to Scott's stuff, well, now I know you're not into kaiju. You're into superheroes or whatever these cool pieces of art are. I'm going to help him out. And if you weren't at the table, I'd just be like, hey, here's the price on this stuff. It's this, it's that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then at least they know and they can like relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can make their decision if they want to stick around till I get back. Hey, that's a reasonable price. I do want that. Or like, eh, that's cool. And then they just move along. And I'm none the wiser and everything is okay. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, man, I think we covered it. I mean, again, the I think we ended up kind of conveying a lot of what we wanted to convey there, which is it felt like a comic convention, got us, you know, in comic convention mode and uh, and brought up some things that uh, that we hope people can use the next time you're at a comic convention when you're tabling. So. Um, so with that, we wanted to talk about what's actually our main topic for this week. And this is going to be a bit of like a freestyle off the dome session. But something I was thinking about yesterday is, so I'll say how I started this, Scott. I was talking about how my particular mindset is that I love having a like a list of things to do for the day and little itty boxes, little itty bitty boxes to the side of them. Itty boxes is what you say when you've had a 9% beer, which is what I just did. Um, but you have little itty bitty boxes next to them and you get to check those boxes off, right? Or you get to swipe through and watch that baby disappear because you did something, right? You accomplished something. So what I wanted to talk about was, you know, Scott and I both pride ourselves on being productive. I think um, a key to, to making comics, especially at an independent level, when it's, you know, may not be your number one job, is how do you stay productive? And, and what wiring is, you know, and I figured if we share maybe some of the wiring in our head on staying productive, and maybe some of the tools we use to stay productive, that might help. So um, why don't you start, man? Like, talk about whatever you want. Like, what wiring is in your head in terms of staying productive? How do you make sure you get shit done every single day? Well, I think I think for me, it's if you don't do the work, it's never going to get done. There's always going to be an excuse why you, you can't do it or why you didn't do it. And excuses are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So eventually you need to sit down and you need to do the work. And that's what comics is. It's, it's, it's super fun to do. I love drawing. I love telling stories. But at the end of the day, it is work. It's a bit of a grind. Each page can be anywhere from, you know, six to 20 hours. You know, it's, it's all dependent on what's going into the page. So you have to sit there and you have to get it done. Uh, something I've talked about before is the slack method. The slack method makes me very productive. Um, do the thing that you want to do that day as far as your book goes. So let's let's talk about books specifically. If you need to get something done in your book. All right. So first step is you get your script from your from your guy. You're going to go through the thumbnails and whatnot. What what do you want to work on that day? So do you just feel like drawing people or do you actually feel like working on those backgrounds? So it's whatever I'm feeling that day is the thing that I tackle. Um, if if your people aren't doing it for you and you feel real technical and you're tackling the backgrounds. Uh, that's, you know, one thing, if neither are working and you have some pages done already, maybe you can do the flats, you know, or if you're also the letterer, uh, which, which I do the basic lettering, Tristan tackles the, uh, uh, sound effects and whatnot. And, uh, so whatever you can do in the process to keep yourself moving, that's the thing that I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very helpful to have, multiple hats because you can stay productive um and try to th uh if you don't if you're only the penciler and you, you have no other jobs besides that well what other things can you do can you do character studies can you do uh, character sheets turnarounds like those are really helpful those are great back matter for books in the future trade paperbacks or even just in the back of that issue i would say that's a good start how about you i'm gonna i'm gonna summarize the way that you stay productive right which is 
focus on the thing you want to focus on and count on the fact that like you're going to want to do a little bit something different every day you know like the peril of your method is that every now and then you're going to run into the snakes in Pee Wee Herman right you're going to have that thing where it's the only thing left and it's the thing that you don't want to fucking do but you know what you just got to put your head down and do it right and so for me you know what the way that I keep myself motivated is to make sure that I am getting something done every day that at the end of every single day, I can look back on the day and say, I did this, 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 and this. And that is actually something that's always been a bit in my wiring. And that I think Dave Sim in one of his uh, kind of creator treatises um, talked about, right? Is, is what you do is you create, and this is where it comes down to like what works for you. His idea was to get a calendar, just get a big desk calendar. And, and every day when you do something at the end of the day on that little box in today's date on your desk calendar, you know, the desk would have like an entire month with little boxes for every day. You write what you did and make sure that you put something in that damn box every single day. You know, so for me, the digital equivalent is that I am a sucker for task apps on my phone. So I have had multiple different types of task apps. I have one now that I use a lot. I pay like a very small fee a year for it. It's by Moleskin, the people who do all of the journals that you see everywhere. And uh, it is a very powerful way of doing tasks because what I like about it is you can um, classify them in different ways. So I have comics, I have writing, I have a deliverable one, and I think I have one for podcasts actually. So that I'm always on task of like, okay, today is the day that I'm going to edit this this week's episode of Making Comics. And then uh, what I do is I slot all those things in, including what I want to do, like social media posts and things. And then at the beginning of the day, you know, maybe not the first thing when I have my coffee because I'm reading comics then. But I take a look at what my day is going to look like and I say, okay, this is the checklist of things I need to do for the day. And then when I do them, I just kind of do that cool little left swipe and they disappear and they go into my done stuff for the day. If you ever want to look it back on what you did, well, then you just go to that done stuff category and boom, there it all is, you know? So I think for me, it's about setting those goals because like I mentioned at the outset, I'm all about checking boxes, man. And we talked about that earlier. You know, Keith was like, hey, it's free comic book day. I'm going to write for an hour before I get to have this beer. And I did the same thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finish this coffee. And then I get to have that beer. So, you know, we both worked a little bit before we earned our beers. And, and that's that's how we like to get things done. Um, yeah, goals that's, is goals. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, uh, yeah, you know, for me, when it comes to, like, so the artists out there, if you have commissions, it's in, like, I don't, I don't know how you guys process it. The way I process it is by deadline. Um, who needs their project done first? Who has been waiting the longest? And those are the ones that get pushed to the top. Mm. Uh, number one is date. Uh, whoever needs it the earliest, th- those might like if it has been arranged already. You know, if like you you can't someone can't just email and you go, hey, I need this by tomorrow, and just cut the whole line. It's all dependent on that 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 price point. So you might be able to let them get away with it. But hey, if it if they're all about the same, it's kind of unfair. But you know, it, it's all your own personal schedule, right? It's like, do you want that pressure? Uh, you, knowing this one is pending more than the others, I don't personally. So I'll tackle the ones that are on the stricter deadlines. Then after that, the second priority is who's been waiting the longest, and I'll get it done from the, uh, that point on. And so yeah. for me, yeah, just internally, 
I can't take it. I don't like having things. These things are all floating above my head. They're just hanging over my head waiting to fall. So I prefer to take them out of the air and eliminate the danger and just move them along, right? And then so for me, the more things I can check off, uh, the more I get to work on my, the sooner I get to work on my book. Yeah. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. And, um, you know, I, I think we've kind of bounced around and covered a bunch of things, but I wanted to mention something else, right? Which is, let's just say, okay, and a key operative phrase of the kind of stuff I do. Because look, first of all, I, I wanted to mention one other thing before I mentioned the second thing. Let's see how well I keep my focus. There are people that I know that have sent us some email that say they, they put on the Making Comics podcast and then they draw while they're listening to this, right? Or, or whatever they do. I mean, if you're writing while you're listening to this, God, I hope that some of the shit we say doesn't make our way into your writing. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And how are, drawing, how are you listening and writing at the same time? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're first some, of all, you're, you're some kind of fucking wizard. I was going to say, you're like a goddamn Renaissance man that can just do all this shit at the same yeah. time, right? So, so that part is super cool um, for people that are doing that because what that means is you're, you've already kind of made the Making Comics podcast a way for you to get some productive time in. So, you know, the longer we talk, the longer you go. Someday we'll just do a six-hour episode to prove a point. You know, that'll be fun. <laughs> but <laughs> We'll be hammered but, by the end of the yeah, episode. Oh, God, yeah. That would actually be amazing <laughs> audio if we were just totally shit-faced by about hour three. <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to mention something else, which is, you know, the, the, the brain, the mind is a really powerful thing and it's a really adaptable thing, you know, um, something that I think a lot of us can relate to living in this coronavirus world is how quickly the new thing becomes routine, you know, like people are coming back to work right now and it just feels different, even though if we time traveled back 20 months this is how we did it all the time. This is not new. We all did this before, but it feels so new because the brain is adaptable and we are adaptable and we just get used to the thing we're doing. And, um, and the reason I mention that is you can also get used to the thing you're doing with the thing you're doing being like productivity. Even if you don't feel like the most productive person, what you do is you, it's not really fake it till you make it. It's force yourself to do it until you're not forcing yourself anymore. You know, and and longtime listeners of the podcast will know, I believe that during this podcast was when I declared that I wanted to start reading two comics a day in the morning. Right. Like it was like, hey, I'm going to change my morning routine and every morning I'm going to read two comics a day with my morning coffee. That was something I decided to do these days. It's just routine because my brain's gotten used to it. I've gotten used to it. And I kind of fought my way through that routine in the early going. And then you establish something. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where like, if, if you feel the need or if you want to do it, habits can be established too. You know, knocking out stuff in a productive way can be established even if it's the kind of thing that people struggle with. And we know some people struggle with it because we've got some emails, right? Where, where, they, where they talk about things like that. And also, if you're someone that is short on time, um, uh, there was a period in my life where I didn't get that much time to draw per day. So, you know, when I would go into my day job, I would go in early. I would get in a half hour early just so I could draw for 30 minutes before my shift started. So the first thing I did that day beyond getting ready for work and, and driving to work, the first productive thing I did that day was draw. I, draw, I drew for 30 minutes. I got two 15-minute breaks and a lunch. I wanted to stay fit, so on my lunch break, I went to the gym. My two 15-minute breaks, I drew. So 
by the time I got off my shift, I had a full hour of drawing in. 30 minutes at the beginning, 15 and 15. So if you can find those moments throughout your day where you'll have time to draw, you know, if, if you do it digitally, like the iPad is great for that. You could have an iPad, I believe it's seven. Seven still supports uh, the first Apple Pencil. So if you can afford an iPad, like if you can't afford a Pro, you can get an iPad uh, 7 with the first pencil, the first generation, and I believe that is $300, $350 maybe for the iPad, and then I think that pencil now is probably $50. So you're looking at $400 as an investment for you to be able to draw on the road, or at work, or in your car, or wherever the heck you're taking your breaks or your lunches. So try to find those times throughout your day where you can fit that stuff in. You, life, life is not easy. So you may never have five, five to eight hours a day to draw like you want. So you have to find those times. If you can get 15 minutes in, 15 minutes is more than, uh, is 15 minutes more than the other guy did. So yep. make, make sure you're putting that time in. Find that time where you can find it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it all adds up. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And just one final piggyback on that, I think, is that, you know, it would be very a very normal reaction to, to react to what you're saying and say, yeah, but if I only have 15 minutes to draw, then it's really hard for me to get into it. Or in writing's case, if I only have 15 minutes to write, it's hard for me to get into it. That's definitely one way of looking at it, you know? But another way of looking at the exact same thing is, yeah, it might take a little bit of ramp up and ramp down time in terms of writing or drawing. But the good news is, by you breaking it up through the day, it's now on your brain all the time. Because you might be working, but you're thinking, you know, and I mean, yeah, maybe your work is some kind of hyper intense mental exercise, you know, but in general, even in those down moments, especially if you're writing, you're gonna, your thoughts are gonna be to what you're writing because you've now put it in your head and it's just kind of flowing through your day. It's not, it's not a book that you open at 6 p.m. and then close at 7 p.m. It's a book that's open all day and that you get to meander in and out of. And obviously with something tactile and time, time intensive like drawing, that could be a little more difficult than writing. But I think it does still bleed over a little bit there. Absolutely. And uh, it, all that is absolutely true. That's a great point. And you could, but you could also have a job where you're flipping burgers, you know, or you have a job where it used to be difficult, but once you figured out how to do it, now you don't even think about doing it. Like you just do it because yeah. you're on autopilot. Like he said, our brains are very powerful. They get used to things. So once you get to once you get the pattern of your job down, your your mind your mind is free to wander. Einstein used to work at the patent office because it was such nonsensical work that he can be there and just think about Einstein shit. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like if you have a job that pays the bills, but your your brain space is free to do these other things, take advantage of that. You know, like mm -hmm. as an artist, I would be thinking, like he said, I would start it off 30 minutes in the morning. I'd be like, man, man, I was I was really doing some work on that piece. That piece is looking great. You know what? I think I can do this later. And uh, by the time my first 15 minute break comes on, mentally, I'm warmed up. I'm I'm mm -hmm. ramped up already. So. I'll get into it and I'm going to draw faster. That's another thing that was a benefit of having these 15 minute drawing sessions. I became a quicker artist because of it, because I knew I only had 15 minutes or I only had 30 minutes in the beginning of the day. So you yeah. really, you, your brain gets used to these, 
little small amounts of time to get what you want to actually get done. So uh, it, it speeds you up and you, you adapt. Word up, word up, man. All right, man, I think we covered a lot of stuff there. So Yeah, so I think the last thing that I want to hear about is Star Wars. <laughs> In fairness, you, you got a tease on this, Scott. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are the type that are drinking on Star Wars references, fill up that shit and get it going. Because this might just be, like, you could qualify this entire next segment as nothing but Star Wars, right? Which is, so let me, let me start this off by saying, Scott, have you been to Disneyland? With with the new Star Wars shit there, I have not. No, that okay. or the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe or the Marvel Universe. I have not been there for either. Is it in your plans to go to Disneyland for the Star Wars shit? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, so I highly recommend it. Right. Um, in terms of Star Wars versus the Avengers thing, Disney's offering a special like discounted rate on if you go three times. So we, I, I am one weekend away from being done. And we did um, DCA, which is where the Marvel thing is the first weekend. Then we did Disneyland last weekend, which is the Star Wars stuff. And then this next weekend, we're doing Disneyland again, which was the right choice. We had actually chosen DCA, Disneyland, DCA, but Disneyland is the more involved park, you know. And um, so in terms of the Marvel thing, the Marvel thing is cool. But it feels one or two rides away, and it's not super immersive. Mm. You feel like you're at a theme park when you're at the Avengers stuff, okay? And so for those of you that are anywhere around a Disneyland, you know, look, I'm not here to make your vacation plans for you. So if if you're living in Iowa, you know, um, then I, I'm not saying drop everything, save up and go to fucking California or Florida so you can go to Disney, you know, but if yeah, it's but something why I'm not, in your but place, also why not? Also, why not? It's fucking Star Wars. It, yeah. If you're a Star Wars person, of course. Right. Um, and uh, we have great weather and uh, all those things. So, yeah. That is true. That is true. I just, yeah. I mean, it's it's summer right now, so everybody's got great weather. But uh, for, for me, I was thrilled because the day we're taping this, the high was actually only 81 today, which is amazing. Because usually the high where I live is, is busting 95, 100 this time oh, of dang. year. And uh, so any day where I'm not 100 degrees is, is a win. But uh, I just want to bring up that it's going to be a high of like 73 on January 12th here, too. You know, so uh, so, yeah, just just that's that's a great time. If that's uh, something that you think you can swing financially and, and you want to do it. But what's awesome about the Disneyland Star Wars Park is that it is immersive. Right. And and uh, because I know some super duper Disney nerds, they dropped all kinds of crazy science on me. And the coolest thing about the Star Wars stuff at Disneyland is that when you walk around, you cannot see the rest of the Disney park anywhere. Like it's not visible. So what they did was they messed with the sight lines so that you don't think you're at a theme park. What you think is that you're, you're on a goddamn planet in the Star Wars universe. And it is the most amazing thing. And it is real. Like, the garbage cans are done up in a Star Wars way. You know, like, they they have, like, a, a trading market. I'll throw a couple pictures up on the day that this comes out just to give people a taste. But I won't give away anything super cool. I did throw up some pictures um, when I was actually there a couple days ago. But it is just so amazing. And it is so immersive. And it's the kind of place where you can go. And it's just like you don't even have to ride a ride if that's what you don't want. You know, if that's what you want. If you're not a ride person. But, I mean, they have a cantina there. And you can get all kinds of crazy drinks. 
alcoholic and non-alcoholic mm-hmm. that were designed just for this place, right? And if now it's reservation only. It's hard to get in. You know, my, my wife had to hack the system just to get us in, all five of us. But thanks to the, the Uber Disney nerds, they were able to, like, give us tips that helped us out. But it was so amazing. And, um, and again, such a cool place. All kinds of cool stuff. And I want to mention that they, they busted open a new ride. Ooh, about... Um, about a year ago, maybe a little bit less. It's called Rise of the Resistance. And uh, that was the one that I texted you about where, like, it is it is the best ride I have ever been on in my life. And um, I am a roller coaster guy, so I like speed coasters. That's, that's my jam. Anything that spins me around in a circle, there's just no way I'm ever going to get on that. Uh-huh. Roller coasters, however, are amazing. But the best roller coaster I have ever been on did not have a story. It didn't have a narrative, right? And that's what this Rise of the Resistance things does. You actually go on like a 10-minute journey within the damn Star Wars universe. And it is awesome the way that they set everything up. There is actually kind of a ride portion at the end. But everything that leads to the ride, like, builds the universe. And, you know, like, as, as Scott and I have said many times, you know, like... I am not the biggest fan of the sequels, right? Like, everybody knows that I ride or die sort of for the prequels by simply liking them, (laughs) you know, or simply not hating them. But when it comes to the sequels, Scott and I are perfectly complimentary. He likes the first and third. I like the second. We totally flip in terms of those other two, right? But this ride was so good that it just made me want to watch the sequel trilogy, you know, soon, right? Like you feel like you're there. You really have like legit tension around the character of Kylo Ren. They make the whole thing menacing and badass. It just works, man. So I just wanted to shout that out. You know, like I know like Disneyland needs another endorsement. Like it needs a hole in the head. Right. But I mean, sometimes shit is good and you just got to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Like, like like Disneyland or the the flavor of a Big Mac. You know, I ain't fronting on those things. I'm not here to do that. It was a hell of a lot of fun. And then, you know, again, depending on how deep those pockets go, you can build lightsabers there. You can do all kinds of crazy shit, you know. So um, And they have, you know, the, their newest saber that they had there was the dark saber, which is oh. ridiculous. Oh, yeah, dude. It was sick. And and they, of course, because, it, you know, like, they're nice and they know that the best way to sell something is to let you, like, handle it. Yeah. They'll let you hold the Darksaber and, you know, a demo handle. And, like, that thing feels substantial in your What's hands. that? This What's is, that run you? 200. Okay. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I think I could, I think I could get by, uh, I can get behind a hundred. I think I, I would, you know, for a hundred, it might, might actually do it too. So that's a little out of reach for me. Yes. So. We did not buy a dark saber. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man, it's, but, but there's, there's Luke's lightsaber. There's like lay. Yeah. I think they did a the theoretical Leia's lightsaber, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. because that's like Canon for all of like four seconds or something like like that they i I thought they kind of cheaped out though because darth maul's lightsaber only is one-sided which i feel like what what the fuck are you doing right you know what i mean like that's ridiculous that doesn't make yeah that doesn't make any damn sense darth maul's lightsaber is two-sided and i don't want to hear any arguments about it you know Mm -hmm. that'd be dope if they did like a like a general grievous or some shit where you could just like flip like four lightsabers (laughs) in your hands or something (laughs) anyway anyway 
Um, so yeah, anyway, good, good nerd stuff. And obviously a bunch of people probably dropped off before they even got to the Star Wars part or the people that have hanged on are passed out right now because there's no way to count how many times you just had to drink through that whole thing. You're, <laughs> I hope, I hope you live through this. <laughs> That's great, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I got to talk to my girlfriend and see if I could talk her into it. I know Mars would be jazzed for all that. She's a big Star Wars nerd and a big Disney nerd. So I'm sure she'd uh, geek out for all that stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, man, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. So you can find me on social media at Keith underscore decibel on Instagram and at Kadoja Kaiju, all one word. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah. My website is www.keithrfoster.com. It continues to be uh, renovated and updated. It is new and improved. So go on over there and check it out. There's a nice landing page, and then you can get to the blog stuff that I have. There's also a store where you can peruse and possibly purchase some Kadoja stuff because Kadoja is Giant Monsters meets HP Lovecraft. And you can go to accidentalaliens.com and pick up the books that I do. Uh, Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, and Wanderers of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, Thousand Years in the Future, We Start Colonizing Other Planets, Come Across the Planet Melisanda, Where the Meteor Never Hit, Dinosaurs of That World Survived and Evolved, and so it's about two dominant species trying to coexist on one planet. Does that ever work? That never works. So, and don't forget, you can contact us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com or all of the other social media that we just mentioned. Uh, as far as getting us some notes, uh, letting us know what you think of the podcast, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, and uh, make sure you're going to our websites and picking up our books. We don't have a Patreon. We don't ask for free money. We want you to get our books. We will get that money. You will get some comics to read, and that's how you support this podcast. Yes, sir. All right, man, I have definitely queued up the music by now, so you know the deal. We're just going to ride this on out, man. I will catch you next week. All right, my brother. Another great episode. Hey, hey. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> I was waiting for <laughs> hey, you to do it. Mother, motherfucker. No, no, no. I was waiting for you to do it. You do yeah, because I, I said words, and I was like, I think he should do it. No. I was like, he's just staring at me. I think I should do it then. No. <laughs> I, I did it. I did it.